Thank you. Good morning again. It is good to be with you all, and it's good to see everyone out. I shared it with Pastor Robbie, who let's remember him in prayer. He's gone to Virginia this week to do a camp meeting uh, for the youth there somewhere in Virginia. He told me the name, but I don't recall what it is. So he'll be traveling today and be uh, serving there this week. So let's keep him in our prayers. But I told him as I was preparing my message, I said, uh, I'm struggling with it. I don't like the one I've prepared. And most of you realize that if, if you know me very well, I'm one who waits till the last minute to prepare everything. I think about it through the week, and I sit down on Friday and Saturday, and I try to finish everything up, and part of it so I can remember what I wrote, and so I can remember what my notes said, and I've just, I just kind of like to procrastinate a little bit. And so this week, I sat down early in the week on Monday as we were having prayer, and even on Tuesday, and I, I wrote some things for the message this week, and I was really excited because I was almost done. Then I didn't like it. It's like, I just don't know if that's right or not. And yet, as I prepared and I sat down, I still kept coming back to this. And so I want to share, in some ways, a very simple message. We're going to spend some time talking about John the Baptist. But this message is not about John the Baptist. We're going to look at part of his life, part of his history. And yet, in the end, we're going to be looking at Jesus Christ. Because in everything that we do, the end has to be in Jesus Christ. And so I want you to look with me at a passage of Scripture that no doubt I had read several times, many times, and yet it jumped out at me this week. It was just something that, that caught my attention. If you look with me in Matthew chapter number 11, in verse number 2, it says this. This is talking about John the Baptist. And it says, Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples... And they, talking about, said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Let us pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come together, we want to thank you again for this opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. We're thankful, Lord, that we have this opportunity to, to come, Lord, and to be filled with your word, Lord, and we just pray that you will have your will and way in this service, Lord. We're thankful for the, the singing, Lord, and for all the many blessings that you give us, Lord, but help us, Lord, to have open hearts now to see what you would have for us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to have a greater understanding, Lord, and if there's someone here, Lord, that has a need, we pray, Lord, that they'll bring it to you before it's too late. We thank you again for everything, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. This passage of Scripture is talking about John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And if you'll remember in the Old Testament, it says in Isaiah chapter number 40, and verse number 3, it says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And this is talking about John the Baptist preparing that way. And he was out baptizing and talking about repentance and sharing that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And yet when we look at John's history a little bit, the Bible tells us that he had a miraculous birth. He was, uh, his parents were elderly people who hadn't been able to have any children so far. And yet an angel came unto his father, Zechariah, a Levitical priest, as he was in the temple ministering, and told them that they would have a son. The Bible is largely silent on his 
uh, childhood, other than the fact that he grew and that he waxed strong in the Spirit, if you will. And those are the things that we know about John kind of from an early age. And there's also the time when his mother and Mary met and, and the, the babe leaped in the womb. Those are the things we usually hear. And then he seems to not really, we don't hear a lot about him. But if you turn with me to Matthew chapter number 3, it seems that he burst back on the scene, if you will. And it says, and in those days, talking about in the days of Jesus, the days when he was out ministering, it says, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Now, when we often think about preachers, we think about coming to a church. We say, well, we're going to go to church, and we're going to hear the preacher, and he's going to talk for a long time. He may hit us up for some money. We're going to sing some uh, songs, and then we'll get to go home. It was different. This guy's out in the wilderness. And he wasn't just out there in, a, in some kind of big complex. He was out there in the wilderness baptizing people and preaching to them. And they would come to hear him. They would come out to this place. Verse number 2 says this, And saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was the same message that Jesus Christ began preaching. It says, For this is he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness... Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Verse number 4 says, And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair, and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. I want you to stop and think about that. Now, usually when I get ready to come to church, I'll usually try to put on my Sunday best for the most part. Now this morning I put on a polo. You all have seen me in jogging pants and things as I went through my surgery. But imagine this guy that came out. He's in a camel hair outfit. I have no idea what that looked like, but I've got a real good guess of what it smelled like. I don't know if that's true, but that's just, I can't help it. That's what comes to my mind. But this is a guy dressed up in a camel hair, I'll use the word outfit. My wife will be like, you're starting to, I'm starting to rub off on you a little bit. He had this outfit on and a leather belt, if you will, around his loins. And his food was locusts and wild honey. Just the thought of that is not at all what we picture today about someone preaching and sharing. And yet that's exactly the picture that we began to see here. Verse number five says this. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan. It appears it wasn't just a few people coming out. There were a lot of people coming out. And they were coming from everywhere and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Now Matthew Henry writes that John came as a prophet of repentance, yet he told his followers that they were to look for the pardon of their sins in Jesus only and to his death. In other words, they were to look for another one was the, the point that he was making. And John the Baptist is even the one that said, there's one coming after me who I'm not worthy to unlatch his sandals or unlatch his shoes. And so he was not the Messiah, but people were coming out to hear his message. They were coming out to see him. And then... In verse number, uh, the same chapter, in verse number 13, we see where Jesus actually comes out. And this is the part that I want you to start listening to here. It says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. Here is this camel hair wearing prophet with a leather belt on that eats locusts, no thanks. I like honey. And Jesus comes out to see him. It says, And then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. 
not only to come out to see him, but he wants him to baptize him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? Like, what are you doing here? Why are you out here to see me? Verse number thir- uh, 15 says, And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. In other words, he allowed that. The next verse says this, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God. Imagine that. You can just begin to see this picture here. Uh, John the Baptist baptizing Jesus. And all of a sudden, as he's going down, he comes back up out of the water. You see, uh, it says, The Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And here's the part that I like. The next verse says this, And lo, a voice from heaven. I've often talked about how when I feel like the Lord speaks to me, it's not, hey, Chris, why don't you go over there and talk to that person? Never. Never have I experienced that. And yet here it says a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. John the Baptist was on the mountaintop right now. John the Baptist was experiencing one of the greatest things that you can ever experience in this world, if you will. Think about Jesus Christ coming out to see him and him knowing who that is. And this is one of those things where it's a confirmation of your life's work. We don't know everything that he did as a child, but we know that he grew in the Lord. We knew that he was was good and and did good things, if you will. But this was like a, a confirmation, like Jesus Christ came to see me today. And he didn't just come to see me. He said, will you baptize me, please? This would have been the highlight. Your message has been confirmed, if you will. Your calling has been confirmed. You know, so it's like, wow, Jesus came today. I can imagine John was just on the highest mountaintop that you can imagine in everything that he did. And yet, as we go back to our passage of Scripture, scholars believe that in perhaps, and I'll use that word because they don't really know, in perhaps in less than a year, we find John the Baptist in prison. We find him in prison, not for crimes that he committed, but for his condemnation of Herod, who was like the sub-king of Galilee, the son of Herod the Great, for taking his brother's wife. John went from way up here on the mountain to being in prison. I can imagine that would be way down in the valley. It seems like his mountaintop experience turned into a valley of doubt. Turned into something very, very difficult. Just like that, it seems. If you go back to to chapter number 11 and verse number 2, or I can read it from here, it says, Now when John heard in the prison, he's in the prison and yet his disciples are still coming back and forth to him. And he hears in the prison. He said, here's all these great, wonderful things about Jesus Christ. Because everybody was coming out. He was doing all kinds of wonderful things. You can imagine the buzz surrounding the, the town and the, the community and the things going on. When something, you know, we often say that bad news travels fast. Amen, it does. But so can good news. We forget that sometimes. We only want to share the bad news like, oh, you won't believe what so-and-so did. Do we ever tell you won't believe what God did for so-and-so? You won't believe what happened in church this Sunday. You won't believe how blessed I am. Good news can travel fast too. 
And there was a lot of good news surrounding what was going on with Jesus. And John the Baptist in prison is hearing these things. He's hearing this good and wonderful news. It's bound to have been exciting in some sense. And yet, that's not exactly what we find. He hears the things about Jesus. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples to him. He sent them out to say, go talk to them, basically. And he had something he wanted to ask them. If you look with me in verse number 3, um, in uh, Matthew chapter number 11, in verse number 3, it says, And said unto him, the disciples come, Art thou he that should come? Or do we look for another? That's an odd question. This is the one who baptized Jesus. This is the one that's there. And all of a sudden we find him saying, Are you the one that should come? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one we're looking for? Or should we look for another? Now, scholars have debated about why that is. Perhaps it's because John was in prison and he was discouraged. He wasn't sure. Like, how come he hadn't come to see me? How come, what's going on here? Perhaps it's because he had a real hunger to see the kingdom of God. He had a real hunger to see the kingdom of heaven. And he was looking for the Messiah and he just wanted to be sure. You know, sometimes we can go through this life and we know the truth right here and yet sometimes we don't always feel it right here, do we? We know in our heart something to be true and yet in our mind it almost plays tricks on us. We begin to doubt and we begin to fear and we're like, oh, I hope I'm doing the right thing. We don't really know what's going through John's mind here. Perhaps he just didn't understand his predicament. What have I done to be in this place? How in the world did this happen to me? Have you ever had that thought? We don't ever want to question the Lord. But sometimes it's like, why me, Lord? Why do I have to face this? Why am I going through this? No one would blame John for saying, how come I'm here in this place? Some people also believe that perhaps he was just sending his own disciples so they could ask the question because they needed to hear the answer. You know, John may have known the answer, and yet his disciples come and they were saying, well, how come you're in prison and he's out there, and if this is supposed to be the Messiah, how come we're not seeing more good things happen? And maybe he sent them down there to go, go down there and ask him, said, are you the one? Are you the one that we're searching for? And that was his question. Are you the one? Are you the one that we're looking for? Are you the promised one? Are you the Christ? Many Jews believed that the Messiah was coming, and he was coming very soon. They were seeking and searching for him actively. And yet we find John's disciples, and we can infer that it was John as well, sending a message to Jesus and saying, are you the one? Is it you that we are waiting on? As we look back 2,000 years, as we look back through our own experiences, as we had the blessings of the Word of God, we have no doubt now He's the one. Jesus Christ is the one. If you don't hear anything else I said, I want you to hear that. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the Christ. Jesus Christ is the one. Acts chapter number 4, verse number 12 says this. This is talking about Jesus. Neither is there salvation in any other. That means none other. No other place. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I think it would be very appropriate to add the word can. 
that we can be saved. In our language today, we cannot be saved any other way except through Jesus Christ. There's no other way to do it. We look back. I told you we had the benefit of looking back. Jesus Christ fulfilled every single Old Testament prophecy concerning the Messiah. He is the one. He's the one they're looking for. He didn't get part of them. He didn't get half of them. He got every single one. And in Matthew chapter 5, 17, it says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. That means to feel full. That means to cover every single one of them. He says, I fulfilled everything about the Old Testament and the prophets that they said concerning me. I am the one. Back to our story. Remember, John sent his disciples and they come to Jesus and they ask the question in my own words here, are you the one? And this is what Jesus responds in Matthew chapter number 11 and verse number 4. Jesus answered and said unto them, and to the disciples, go and show John. Go back to prison where he's at. And show John again those things which you do hear and see. Talking about right now, as, I, as I'm here with you, that you do hear and see. And this is what he says. This is Jesus Christ. The blind receive their sight. You know, sometimes we read through the scriptures and we think, wow, that's a really nice story. I read a story this morning about the preacher said something about John the Baptist this morning and Jesus being the only one. What a great message that guy shared this morning. And we forget some of the details. Notice what he said here. Go back and tell him what you saw. The blind receive their sight. When was the last time you saw that? The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Wow. Isn't that amazing to think about? We read over those. We get so used to hearing those things. We don't really pay any attention to them. But it says, the blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. Lepers were people who were on the outside of society who basically had to holler, I'm a leper, stay away. Or had to kind of hide away from everybody else. And here we see where they, weren't, they were cleansed. And that meant they didn't just get rid of their disease. They got to come back into society. They got to come back into their family and friends. This was not just a partial healing, if you will. This was a complete thing for them, a transformation of their life. By the way, he still transforms lives. And the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up. That scared me to death. That's the right choice of words, I guess, isn't it? One might have been raised, but they'd have been another one to probably have to take his place because it scared me to death. And yet, that's what we see happening. And all of that, though, is not the most exciting part. At the very end, he says, and the poor... The poor were also considered outcasts sometimes. The poor were considered people who weren't always, you know, worthy of certain things, if you will. And yet it says here, the poor have the gospel preached to him, to them. They get to hear the good news. It's for everybody. Imagine the excitement about that. Imagine the wonderfulness of that. In the simplest of terms, all those things are the power of God on display. And Jesus tells John's disciples, wow, look here. Go back and show him what you've seen. The power of God is on display before you. We also get to read later on where he conquered death. And he still transforms lives today. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus Christ is the one. 
And in this group, we don't have to doubt that at all, do we? We can say, amen, praise the Lord, preacher. That's fantastic. In many ways, we don't have to ask the question, at least here, is Jesus Christ the one? Because we know He is. And yet, we find a lot of people following the wrong ones. We find a lot of people going the wrong direction. They're not asking if Jesus Christ is the one. They've done decided to go a different way. I shared a story this morning that I guess in some places it could get you in trouble, but that's okay. When 9-11 happened, I was in a factory working, building conveyor. And we were listening to the radio, or we turned it on. Now that I think about it, I think we turned the radio on. And the news was on about airplanes flying into a building. And the news never went off. It just stayed on, seemed like for days. The news was on and on and on and on. We find out later on, and a lot of people probably knew pretty quick, that it was Islamic terrorists, Muslims, who follow Allah through Muhammad. I want to tell you something. Those people are dedicated to be willing to get into an airplane and fly it into a building is dedication that's almost unfathomable. Those people are dedicated. I looked on the internet to make sure I remembered my history right or my, my world religion classes. But they pray five times a day. You know, when I pray sometimes, I drive down the road. I don't close my eyes, by the way. But I can talk to my Lord as I'm driving down the road, as I'm walking into church, or as I'm sitting in my office. But five times a day, they stop what they're doing. And you see on television, they roll out a prayer mat. And they get down on it, and they face towards Mecca. And they pray five times a day. That's dedication. I don't remember when it is, because I think it changes periodically, but the month of Ramadan is a Muslim holy month in their eyes. And they don't eat from sunrise to sunset. They fast all day long. I hate to miss a meal. Amen. I'm like, you want me to skip a meal? And the sun goes down. I'd be starving just because you told me I couldn't have anything. That's dedication. And yet as I stand before you, and I want you to hear this, Dedication does not equate to truth. You can be very dedicated and be dead wrong. Muhammad is a false prophet. He's not the only one. I had to look this up too because it's been a while. But Hinduism has multiple gods. And they got all kinds of crazy names, and I don't know who they are, and I don't understand all of it. And they got what, in my opinion, look like some strange-looking temples. And I've tried to understand it a little bit, but there's so many gods that you can't hardly count them. There was a book came out, the 33 million gods of Hinduism. Wow. One person said there could be as many as 330 million so-called gods worshipped by Hindus. 
One of their, I'll use the word scholars, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word to use. I would give you his name, but I can't pronounce it. It says, there can be as many Hindu gods as there are devotees to suit the moods, feelings, emotions, and social backgrounds of those devotees. Hmm. There's a lot of Jews today still seeking a Messiah. They're still looking for one. They rejected Jesus the first time. And they're still searching and looking. And you see people having all kinds of different theories about when the Messiah might come. A lot of them are waiting for the temple to be rebuilt. The temple was destroyed in 70 AD by a Roman general. And it wasn't just kind of tore up around the edges. It was destroyed completely. Completely. And they're waiting for that to be rebuilt. And a lot of people want to restart the sacrifices again. Hear me when I say this. You can sacrifice every cow, sheep, goat, and dove in Boyd County. And that won't take away your sin. Because that's not what does it. It's Jesus Christ. There are people today who are atheists, who are agnostics, or who are just plain old misled souls. But Romans chapter number 1 and verse 20 says this, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood that by the, by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhood, Godhead, excuse me, so that they are without excuse. All you got to do is look around and you can know there's a God. I'm amazed that I can do this. Just the fact that I can touch my fingers together. I don't even have to think about breathing. I'm amazed at all these different things that happen. You don't have to be a scholar to look around and go, there's got to be a God. There's no way this just happened by chance. We can just see that. We just know that. And we'll all stand before the Lord without excuse. We won't be able to say, well, somebody told me this. Just open your eyes and look around. Church, Jesus Christ is the only way. Yet the truth is, most people within the sound of my voice, and at least in our area here, we don't always see a lot of those things here. We don't see them up front. We don't, we don't often talk about them. And yet a lot of people aren't asking, is Jesus Christ, are you the one? They know he's the one. Rather, what we often find here is people who want to put Jesus Christ off for another week or another month or I'll do it next year. What we often find is not people who say, are Jesus, are you really the, the Christ? They know he is. And yet they try to justify themselves before him. Well, I'm just as good as so-and-so. You ever heard that? I'm just as good as all those people go down there at that church. You know what? I was a good little boy. I wish my mom was here to jump up and say amen. I don't think she would, but I, I wish. I was a good little boy. But without Jesus Christ, I was headed to the same hell as the worst person you can think of. There's no good seat in hell. And there's no bad seat in heaven, by the way. If I have to sit up in the nosebleed cheap seats when I get there, that'll be great. I made it. You might look back there. Some of you that might be closer, I might be back in the back going, hey! I made it we're all going to be without excuse and yet sometimes we try to make excuses 
Sometimes people say, well, I don't really understand everything or, or I'm afraid of what people will think. Sometimes we just listen to the devil too much. I wrote a note in my phone. I wanted to build a message around this because I was, I don't know where I was at, but one night or one afternoon I was sitting there and I wrote the words in so many words, the devil is a liar. I knew that, but I wanted to remind myself that the devil will lie to you. He's not your friend. He's not your buddy. He's not your companion. He's trying to deceive you. And yet too many people that we know listen to him. Sometimes we're just stubborn, aren't we? We're just plain, old-fashioned stubborn. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 2 reminds us of an important truth that we all need to hear and that we need to be sharing. It says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. In the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now... Now is the day of salvation. You know what? We may not be asking the question, is Jesus Christ the one? But sometimes we make a lot of excuses why we're not following Him closer. Why we don't listen to His voice. Why we don't be, why we're not more obedient. I shared earlier in the service, my wife's sitting here now, so I don't know if I should share this, but I'm going to. We have a cat at home that she loves way more than me. His name's Roy. He's a great big old fat cat. And she just loves that cat. And before we moved to Kansas, he was an outside cat, except she let him come in sometimes. And I have a history of telling her, Alana, I'll be home at 9 o'clock. And it might be 10, it might be 10.30, it might be 11. And when we first married, she used to, when I first started preaching, she used to stay up and worry about me a little bit. She just goes to bed now. I mean, I show up, I was like, I'll be there. She's like, you'll be fine. He'll, he'll come in whenever he gets ready. Because I used to get caught at the church talking to somebody or I had to go, a visit would last longer. And I just, I just didn't get home when I told her I was going to. Didn't have cell service. That was my story and I'm sticking to it. But we had that old cat. And if he didn't come home at night, she was worried. And Roy the cat, we didn't go out and say, kitty, kitty, kitty. She went out on the front porch and she hollered, Roy! Over and over again. Because it was getting late. She was worried about him. I think sometimes the Lord's calling our name. Because it's getting late. And he's worried about us. Sometimes he's calling us. It's not just, hey, you all come. He's calling me by name, just like she called that cat by name because she loved it, because she was worried about it, because it was getting late. You know what, if you're here this morning, we can have all kinds of intellectual discussions about Jesus Christ. Even John had a question, are you the one? Yet I'm here to tell you he is the one. He is the only one. And if He's calling your name, if the Holy Spirit's prompting your heart, listen. Listen to what He says. Listen to what He's, what he's calling you to. You know what? We have no promise of tomorrow. I shared a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago, I, I still want to live to be 100. I want to jump out of my pickup truck and run across the yard. That's, that's my goal. 
I may not make a hundred. I've got plans this afternoon of getting ready for church tonight. I've got plans tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. I'm going to have a prayer meeting. I'm going to try to do it again at 7 o'clock. I've got some visitations that I didn't get to get to this week that I can't wait to do this coming week. I'll have to get ready for services. I'll have to do different things. I've got plans all week long. But the truth is this. I have no promise I'll make it till tonight. I have no promise I can finish this message. Today's the day. Now's the appointed time. If you're here this morning and God is calling you, listen to Him. If Jesus Christ is calling you, pay attention. Or maybe some of us are like John the Baptist. It's just been a while since we felt like we've seen Jesus. Maybe it's been a while since we felt, felt His presence like we wanted to. Sometimes He feels far away, doesn't He? I want to remind you, He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. A lot of times He just feels far away. If we just turn around and open our eyes, He's right there. We just don't see him. You know what John said? Are you the one or should we look for another? The disciples asked that question. There's not another one. He is the one. And I think he's calling your name. As we get a verse of song this morning. If you have a need this morning, will you come? If God's speaking to your heart. Now is your opportunity, and Jesus Christ is the one. He was the one 2,000 years ago when John asked the question, when his disciples asked the question for him. He's still the one today. He's just the same today. Will you sing that song? He's just the same today. You know what? He was doing all kinds of amazing things. Healing blind people. Healing the deaf. Raising the dead. But the most important thing that I got out of that whole thing was he was sharing the gospel with those that needed it the worst. I can tell you our world still needs to hear the gospel. The answer, the good news, is still Jesus Christ. If you have a need this morning, will you come sit on the front row? I'll pray with you. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Don't let those doubts shake your faith. Come. Come to him.